All right, college baseball fans, welcome to the midweek recap episode of the 11.7 podcast, the number one college baseball podcast out there right now and for the future. Uh, hey, we have a great guest today at the end of the episode. Matt Nelson of Florida State Baseball joins us, and we talk about you know, his recruitment process, You know what it was like going to Omaha his freshman year, what it was like during the COVID shutdown last year. And uh, he has a really, really cool story about him flying in a plane two days before uh, Roy Halladay's death with Roy Halladay as the pilot. So he gets uh, he gets in depth there and talks about his relationship with the former Hall of Hall of or Hall of Fame pitcher um, who passed away a couple of years ago. And um, we're also just going to talk about some of the midweek games that caught our attention, as well as two big time injuries in the SEC that might cost these teams some wins, uh, with Tim Elko and Jaden Hill going down for the season, apparently, and. Also, we want to talk about the predetermined uh, regional and super regional sites that the NCAA announced this past week and how that's going to shake out towards the end of the season. So, Dimitri, out of all of that stuff I just brought up, we got midweek upsets. We got NCAA putting regional hosts out. Can you can you like write it down on a list and put it on your screen <laughs> so I can have a better understanding of all the things you just said? Yeah, there was a ton of stuff, and I'll, I'll just go ahead. And nah, I'm just playing. I'm I'll just, just playing. post I'm just it on playing. Facebook so you can see it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Post where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? I say, I say, we've just start with the midweek. What happened in the midweek? Then let's dive into you know the whole regional um, hosting news and other stuff, so that way we don't put a time constraint on ourselves. Let's get the stuff out of the way, and then we can deep dive into that stuff. Kind of yeah. speak our opinions on it, break it down, all that good stuff. So okay. midweeks. For the midweeks, um, you ask me this question all the time, so I'm going to ask you what uh, what caught your eye this week, Ben? What ca- what game caught your eye? That is, dude. That you just took that line straight from me. Uh, to answer your question, I liked the highlights. I didn't watch the game, but I watched a lot of the highlights. Right, so hold on, we I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you. I love when you say. What caught your eye this week, Ben? Because that, that is your way of bullshitting your way through a uh, class essay or like getting a word count. You don't know what the hell happened. So you're just like, what caught your eye? Like, let me know what would happen. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't think you were going to be calling me out on this episode or else I would have I, I think, I I think, fake it, was, I think it was time to be brought to attention. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess if I'm getting called out, um, I might as well just ride that wave and say, hey, I didn't watch any of the South Carolina versus North Carolina game, but I watched the highlights that you were tweeting out and that game caught my attention, like completely under the radar. What, what, what caught your attention? What was so great about it? Uh, it was just, it went under the radar for me. Like I barely even knew they were playing this week and both teams looked like that. It was like a super regional. Like they were, the fans were loud. The, uh, and I saw some tweets from people saying like North Carolina knew, was scared. I, yeah. North Carolina was scared to play them. Oh, no, I didn't. I, 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 oh, okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Before you get hostile with me, let me just finish what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Like people are saying, like, North Carolina canceled the three game series or the home and home. So now they play in Charlotte and a neutral site, blah, blah, blah. I think it sounded like South Carolina fans were just coming up with excuses, but the, uh, the atmosphere there felt like a super regional. And the, you know the few else? clips, the few clips I saw. You know what else someone tweeted? They said, and dude, I, I almost lost it. I almost had to go on my personal account and just unload. You should this have just went on your burner account, your famous burner account. I don't have a burner account. Or yes, do I? Do. Kevin Durant. It, it, it's Kevin Durant's burner, if anyone was wondering. 
that's the name of that's the name of my burner, Kevin Durant's burner. Anyway, no, it's not. But um, somebody said South Carolina doesn't care about this game. They they don't they haven't cared about this game. And I literally I, I responded. To I, I I was like I'm ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure South Carolina cares about this game and that they're trying their best to win. And he was like, No, that's not true. And I'm like, Oh, I right, do. I don't have time for this. He was like, trolling you a hundred percent. No, he wasn't. He actually like tweeted three more times about like how then that's the same guy that said South or North Carolina stopped playing the wherever they played before and started playing in Charlotte or else they won't play the series. That's the same guy. He said that South Carolina had never cared about this game, but they'd never show up for it. They always play flat. And I'm like, dude, they're trying to win this game. Like, like, listen to yourself. Listen yeah. to yourself. You're telling me 25 guys get on a bus for three hours and show up to play their out-of-state rival, North Carolina, and you're telling me they don't care. They, if they lose, they could give two shits about it. Get out of here, man. Get out of here and listen. That just, that just shows a guy that never played college baseball. Because That's ignorant. Even, even Dimitri, when we would play teams like Savannah State, and I, I hate to throw them in the same category, but like Florida A&M, like teams that were significantly worse than us, even though we did lose to Florida A&M twice while I was at Mercer. But like we still got on the bus and like played those guys hard. Like We still wanted to win those games. So I could, only imagine, I could only imagine what South Carolina – was going like thinking on that bus trip up there, like we're going to beat, beat these ass. guys. Yeah, well, that's exactly what they were thinking. And and going back to your point about the Florida A and M, when I got on the bus, I'm like, damn it, dude, I'm eating my freaking three hour old Chick fil A biscuit because I didn't wake up early, and I'm putting jelly on. I'm like, dude, why the hell are we going to Tallahassee to play Florida A and M? But the moment you got off the bus. It was business time. It was time to beat their ass. But on the bus, you're like, dude, I don't want to go play this game. But you. But never it's like said, the bus ride after. It's the bus ride after that's the fun part. Like after you win one of those games, there is like the. It is the biggest opposite on the scale between losing a game that you should have won or like wanted to win and having to ride on a quiet bus back three hours versus like getting rowdy on the bus with your boys after winning a game, no matter who it was. But the thing, the thing is, it's like there's a difference between. I don't want to go there, but once I'm there, I'm going to play the game hard. I'm going to try to win. And the, the, and the difference between they don't care if they win or lose. I, I promise you, you will not find one single college baseball player in the whole country. Actually, I take that back. There's a select few, and I knew I know of a few that didn't give a shit if you won or lose. But the majority, you're starting nine. Let's just say you're starting nine. They are out there playing to win the game. They don't want to lose. Get out of here with that narrative that oh they don't want they don't care if they win or lose nobody nobody goes and plays college baseball and goes through off season workouts to show up to like not care to win or lose and we're talking about North Carolina here Ben yeah and this isn't hey, like I, NC A and T be North Carolina thousand percent they're not playing North Carolina Central State Technical A and M University like <laughs> we're playing the north carolina the tar heels the diamond heels as yeah. they are on so Twitter. get out of here with that bullshit that they don't care they're not they don't care if they win or lose get out of here midweek or not it doesn't matter um anyways so you about, watched did you watch some of that game because i did hand I up my, i liked most of it um you know who you know who every time south carolina plays and they're in a close game you know who's pitching peter oh right handed yeah. guy for south carolina yeah he's their dude What's his name? Patrick Peters? Oh, dude, I, I don't want to mess his name up. It's Peter. He throws gas, and he's in every, every high leverage situation for South Carolina. 
and he in I would say it's been like nine out of ten times he's gotten the job done. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guarantee if I pull up his stats right now, it would show like how he is the dude out of the bullpen for South Carolina. Um, but what, does that like does this game? kind of like at least give you more confidence in North Carolina moving forward? Because we saw them go through that terrible stretch uh, the last eight to ten games where they had the little dance-off thing in the bullpen, and then they go and get swept, I believe, by – who swept them a couple weeks ago? Remember they lose the game to East Carolina on a walk-off, and then they get swept in the weekend. They lost like five or six in a row. Oh, NC State. NC State. NC State, Yeah. And so finally, that game gives me a little bit more, I don't want to say like belief in North Carolina, no, it's, but it's it stopped the, snow, the snowball effect for a little bit. Right. Like that's a game that's going to be able to carry momentum for a long time. Or regroup, you know, yeah. kind of regroup. Stop the, I would say the snowball effect. When you start losing a bunch of games, things get out of hand. It's, and, hey, and when you, know you lose coach, a lot of games in a row, it's hard to win that next and one. And you start you start worrying about things that don't matter. Coach starts getting angry over things. Then he blames losses. He blames team morale over things that he would never talk about if you won those games. Even if they right. have nothing to do with – like, dude, you know what I'm talking about? A coach will say, that's what happens when you show up five minutes late to the to workout. And you're like, what? That has nothing to do with us losing that game. But if you would have won, they wouldn't say a word about you being five minutes late to the workout. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of shit I'm talking about when I say teams are losing snowball effect. That kind of they start start saying things to the player that has nothing to do with the game, but they have to they have to they have to have reasons why you're losing. They have to come up with any excuses. And it is um, going back to your South Carolina. Andrew Peters is his name, and he's uh, he's 21 innings pitched, only four earned runs allowed, and has 33 strikeouts in those 21 innings pitched. And they're all high leverage. High leverage. Him and Brett Carey. Carey was the guy I was trying to think of. 20 innings pitched, 38 strikeouts, so even better than Peters. So those two guys are the bullpen for for South Carolina. That's how you get into a Super Regional. That's how you win our Super Regional and get to Omaha. Speaking of teams from the state of South Carolina, how about them boys from upstate? Upstate pulling off the upset. They uh, they took down Georgia Tech. And I, hand up, didn't watch any of that game either. But I definitely started following on Twitter even more whenever I saw you tweeting about it. Those are our boys right there. I love the um, Upstate boys. They, uh, they definitely have what it takes to be a mid-major to make some noise in a regional this year. Um, I think they're like two quality wins away from, I want to say, like locking themselves in a, into a regional. I think they're a top 62 or 64 team in the nation. Well, which we're going to talk about later about how the college selection show, we'll talk about that later and how that affects teams like Upstate and um, other teams that are building a resume that in a normal year would be enough. But this year we'll dive into that about what's going to change. But anyway, speaking about Upstate, Ben, they have, they're 19 and six. They have a win. They have a blowout win. And you know how they take into account not just the win, but the kind of win. Yeah. They blew out Clemson. They, <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> they started the year, I don't even know what, like 11 and 0. I, I think, think it was they, 11 or 12 and 0, something like that. And then, I mean, they lost a series against Campbell at on the road, which, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll give you the benefit of doubt in some of those series. When you lose, to a quality team like Campbell on the road, at, at, at least they got one win. They lost in the doubleheader. So those little things, not sure how much the committee looked into that, but a doubleheader in a series makes it that much harder to win. 
especially on the road. Um, then they slipped up, but they have two wins over Georgia, a win of Georgia Tech and a win over Clemson. And as long as those teams keep playing well, that's going to bode well for Upstate. And then right. they have enough. I'm looking at their schedule. They have one more against Clemson. So they need, depending on how the rest of their season goes, because playing in the Big South, you're not going to get a whole lot of RPI boosters. You're going to, it's, it's a weak conference. Like, yeah, the Big South is not like a traditional two or three bid league. It's always no. like a one bid league. So Upstate needs to win a lot of games. And they've got to be, I think, I think if they really want to solidify themselves, they've got to be Clemson again. Right. Well, got to be Clemson again. That dude, that reminds me. How about uh, speaking about like mid majors winning a lot of ACC games? The Liberty Flames, they win their what is that? Their eight four and one. Oh, they're four. And, oh, you're right. You're at right, four and one in ACC play. They beat Wake Forest today. They're eighteen and eight this season, and they have more ACC wins than I think three. No, ACC they're tied. Wins. No, they're tied with Boston College. For Boston College, at the least amount of AC wins in the conference, they're tied because the last time they beat, I think they beat North Carolina. Or yeah, they they lost to Duke. They beat North Carolina. They were tied for like fourth or fifth in the conference with three AC wins. But that was before. And these teams have played fifteen conference games now. Right. So four wins, four and eleven. Boston College is four and eleven in the ACC, and Liberty is four and one in the ace against and the and liberty still has virginia tech duke virginia wake forest virginia tech left so they still have five more acc games to potentially get let's just say they win let's just say they split how many do you say four left yeah let's just say they go two and two they finish six and three against the acc and if they take care of business and conference that's a large lock for sure because if you go six and three against the ACC, no, they have they have six ACC games left. Sorry, I just went right, back so to- so seven and four, yeah, seven seven wins against ACC opponent. That's like sweeping two series and then taking one and another. And that's- I think I think I think they've set them up themselves up pretty nicely. Um, just like Upstate's got less opportunity to slip up, so Upstate's got to be perfect almost perfect here on out to really because their RPI 33, which is right in that fringe zone, 30 to 40 is like that unknown area. Yeah. And it is weird this year. Like not every team's playing 56 games. So like the win totals don't mean as much. Yeah. Year, but so upstate got, they've got to win, but I mean, so far they've showed us that they belong in the conversation with it's all they want is they belong in the conversation. Now, um, before we start talking about some other big things this uh, midweek that caught our attention, our boys at Georgetown finally played their first game of the season against VCU today. They lose 13-4, to but we have a lot of Georgetown followers now. We've been hyping them up since January whenever their season was sp- supposedly supposed to be shut down. So it was good to see the Hoyas finally back on the field. They, uh, they still have, I think, like 30 games left. They're trying to play as many games as possible like four or five games a weekend. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. That's all they have. Hey, how about the state of Kentucky turning blue? Dude, how about Louisville just sucking in midweek games all year? Midweek and Louisville just don't don't go together. I I think Louisville and Missouri Valley State could be competitive in a uh, midweek game right now. Like I'm about to pull up Louisville's schedule. You mean Mississippi Valley? What did I say? Yeah, Mississippi Valley. Well, they finally unblocked us from Twitter, so I need to go look at their name again. 
That was big anyway, news. That was anyway. also big news this this midweek. We got I mean, unblocked. We did get unblocked. They probably realized, hey, we, we why why are we blocking them? They're only they're only gonna they're not here. I mean, you know, I don't even know what to say about it. Like they they probably unblocked us like saying, yeah, we look like clowns for doing that. There's no reason to block them. Yeah, we might not like them for their ranking, but. We're giving them 9,800 people worth of exposure every day. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I was about to say. Who the hell is talking about Mississippi Valley State in April of a college baseball season? Nobody. Only us. Only us. So, so freaking grab yourself a tissue paper and wipe up the damn tears. <laughs> uh, going back to Louisville, uh, this year they have lost to Moorhead State in the midweek. They have lost to Eastern Kentucky in the midweek. They've lost to Cincinnati and now Kentucky. So what's their record in midweek? I think they're three and wait, they're one, two, three. They're three and four, three and four midweek. So let me, let me, let me, let me say something about that. That is exactly what I'm talking about when, okay. So in the, you know how in the world of, that we live in today, everyone's talking about privilege, privilege, this, privilege, that, right? Right. Louisville and the ACC and the SEC, all those big schools, they have the privilege. They have the privilege of not giving a shit about the midweek because their weekends take care of themselves. If they do well in their conference, they're going to get a regional bid. They can do all that stuff, even if they lose like all their midweek game. You see what I'm saying? That's a privilege to not have to worry about those midweek. Meanwhile, on the flip side, like mid-majors have to win these midweeks to even like be in a conversation for an at-large bid. Like if, if Liberty doesn't win these midweeks against ACC schools and they lose them all, there's not even a question that they're getting looked at for a midweek. So it's so weird, like the different extremes between uh, like power, you know, major, I don't want to say power five, but yeah, like power five conferences versus like mid-majors in college baseball. They need those, mid- those midweeks to give themselves a chance in the postseason if they don't get an automatic bid because automatic bid is already well you know what i don't even think an automatic bid even involves talent the conference tournament is about which way the wind is blowing it really does. that ball land fair or foul in the eighth inning of some game or who has some nobody throwing game five of the tournament with five innings on the year and just shoves out of nowhere that's why, dude, I've always been on the opposite end of the spectrum as far as, like, should the postseason tournament even, like, like should you get your your champion from a postseason tournament or should, or should you reward the team that went out and played the schedule, the same schedule as everybody else and won the most games? Like, I kind of am I'm against conference tournaments, like, deciding who gets to go to a regional. Hell no, dude. That is the best drama. Like, think about it, dude. Think about some six seed under 500 team. And you just give the them life. Tournament and they get a chance to get in the tournament because they played their asses off for six games in a week. But the other team played their asses off for six weeks, seven weeks. No, I, I agree. I agree. But that's where the prestigeness. The I think prestige. if you win your conference, you should get a buy all the way to the championship game of your conference tournament. Would that be fair? No, I think they reward them with, you know, first round buy and stuff like that. Because think about how big that extra game is in a conference tournament. You don't have to go to your fourth starter. You can go to your third and then go back to your one. If you pitch him on a Wednesday instead of that Tuesday game, you get that first round buy, you pitch him on Wednesday, he can come back for Sunday. 
instead yeah. of instead of having to throw you know what i mean so i, I think i think but here's my thing something that is so hard to make like a regional i like when it's hard because it means so much more when you make it i just think the regular season is harder than the conference tournament like to go out weekend after weekend after weekend improve you're the best team and then it comes down to four days in may yeah yeah i know i kind of sucks but but at the same time would you think about how much more excited you are when you make a regional that is so hard to make well i've never done it dimitri <laughs> quit rubbing yeah. it in i know you went to two regionals but i never yeah, went wait, to wait, wait. you didn't go to a regional at mercer do we want all right so maybe this is where the separation is off i won the conference regular season two years in a row both years i was at mercer and we lost right. in the championship game of the tournament both times or i guess the semifinals once the championship right. game and it was just like it oh, sucks. That's gut wrenching. Because we grabbing. were by far the best team. Like we won the regular season by like six games both years, and then just choked in the conference tournament. So that's, maybe that's right. where I get my bitterness from. That's right. That's <laughs> why you have your bitterness, which is very, very. Um, Listen, we were going to be. What's the word I'm looking for? Not deserved, but understood. Like understood. understood. Right. Like, dude, we were ranked 21st in the nation my senior year. We swept East Carolina when they were ranked eighth in the nation. And like we were legitimately like going to be like a two, like probably a two seed if we would have finished out the regular season strong. And we lost like eight of our last 11 games, including the conference tournament. And we just missed the tournament. Like we thought we had like a at large hey, possibility. Ben, you, you, you think I give a shit about you feeling that way? My junior year, we were 21st in the country. We lost like, we lost to the, who did we lose to? I think, oh, yeah, we got swept by Upstate at home. Who was Upstate had one, They had like four or five, maybe, I don't remember, Upstate or Kennesaw or somebody. Bro, we were like, we were unanimous, like, no doubt, two seed my junior year. No doubt about it. And we lost like freaking every game, the last 10 games of the year. Went to the tournament, went two in barbecue in the tournament. And we were the last team out. Freaking, they put Oregon in over us. We were pissed because we had a better resume than them, but at the same time, we were like, we don't deserve it. Yeah, just not playing good baseball at the right so, time. So, and, dude, that's how, that's how like, political these, uh, these like, members get, like, choosing. No, like, not Oregon. Clemson got in and get, bro, this, oh, dude, I, I, was, I wanted to punch a hole in the wall. I got to finish this. Clemson <laughs> went to the Vanderbilt Regional. They got the last spot over us. They lost 21-2 to two against Vanderbilt. And we were like, are you shitting me? Are you kidding me? This is the team you put in over us. You guys wouldn't have lost 21 to 2. Yeah. No, <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so yeah. That, the committee um, members do get very political. Like how, how, how you're playing. Let's just roll this into like how it's going to determine. Rec uh, it's like, there's, a, there's, hey, there's recency bias. For sure. Very much recency bias. Like the resume you build at the end of the year is, means much more than what you did in the beginning of the year. And yep. at the end of the day, if they have a Clemson versus a Mercer, who are they going to put in? They're going to put in that Clemson 10 times if, out of 10. If, if their resumes are close enough, yeah. where they can get away with it. But if it's like two, like you can't justify it, they're going to take the other team. But it, if there's like, if you have two pretty even teams, and if you took their names away, you would probably pick the one team. But if you put their names on their resume, they're going to take Clemson every time. Trying to raise that money, man. Clemson but alumni, anyway, TV back ratings. On, back that. on track with the midweek stuff. Jacksonville beat Florida State. Um, 
doesn't really mean much big win for them. They're, you know, they're like nine games under 500. Um, Florida beat Stetson in the ninth inning, I think, or eighth inning. It was well, late. Stetson almost hit a comeback. I was actually yeah. watching that game. Yeah. I um, thought Stetson was going to pull off a comeback win. Um, Texas <laughs> blew out Corpus Christi. Easy blowout. Hey, Arizona beat Arizona State 14 to 2. That's three. That's, that's big for Arizona because, I mean, Arizona State came in pretty good and Arizona took them to the woodshed. We, we've talked about Arizona's offense all year, man. They, they can't are, really they're, hit. They're, they're a loose cannon. D1 baseball has them as a number eight national seed in their like um, which, regional predictions. Yeah, I saw that, which, which kind of confuses me because are they taking into account the new, the new regional like bid selection or they actually think they're a top eight team in the country because I don't think I they're a think, top eight team. I in don't the think country. they're a top eight team in the country, but I think you're right with that regional, the new regional bid thing. Arizona might be the furthest west we're going to get for a regional because of California and Oregon. I mean, California, Washington, and Oregon's restriction. Hey, you want to hear something crazy? Just came out. Um, just got tweeted that Georgia is lifting all. I'll tell you right now. I'm waiting on it. <laughs> you better tell me right now. Okay, breaking. This was tweeted one hour ago. Georgia to lift all COVID-19 restrictions starting tomorrow. What does that mean? It doesn't exist anymore or? No, <laughs> like just like Mississippi and Texas. No c- crowd restrictions, all, lifting all restrictions. Bars open. Anybody can do whatever they want. If they want to have masks in your store, you can have a mask in your store. If you don't want to regulate masks, you don't have to. That's what you know. I'm talking about. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So they're lifting that for the state of Georgia to starting tomorrow. So crowds will be back at Georgia Tech, Georgia, um, Georgia and, State, Georgia Southern, Kennesaw, yep. Mercer. Yep. So maybe I mean I don't I don't see I mean Georgia Tech might be one of the 16 regional sites because of that. Government. I just in the D1 article they actually he Kendall actually brought up policy government policies on are going to play a factor in what what states are going to host what teams are going to host depending on what your government has decided in terms of restriction it's so weird man like try to explain that to someone isn't it it so sad that politics is seeping into like everything oh i mean you saw it with like the all-star game in atlanta and i don't want to get too much into it because i don't know how our listeners think and everything but no and everybody has to write their own opinion yeah, but just the way that baseball's All Star Game was just taken away because of politics, like in in Atlanta, that was just it, it, money. Weird. Money and politics decided that, and then it decided, you know, where a regional is gonna be. Yeah, like get like, that like, out of sports, please. And and like that's what I'm saying. Like that goes back to the whole thing with the Big Ten. People were saying you can't punish the players um, because they're RPI sector playing conference only schedule, and if you look at it. Same thing with Georgetown. They just started Ivy League not playing. All because of who's running the, the government or who's running the school, the president. And if 99% of the time, it comes down to political affiliation, which is, is awful that it's getting involved in every aspect of our life. And that's just not the way, or for, at least for myself, that's not the way I want things to be. Yeah. And obviously, like the players – I have to deal with it because we have like it's amateur athletics, right? Like they have to wait for word from people above them, like the guys making the decision, whether it's athletic directors or conference directors or 
their local government like or national government really like is, they have to wait for so many like lines I mean, of like to chain of command. For them. And yeah, I like hope, there's I a hope. there's a whole chain of commands that goes down and then like they have to adjust, which I guess is society as a whole. But yeah, again, I don't want to get too much into it, but it's just no, weird but I, I just hope little, politics is getting so much into like the college it's sport. Embedding really. in everything, not just yeah. college, just everything. And I just hope this is the only time we ever have to have a, co- a team rely on someone else deciding their fate if yeah. they go 50 and 10 in the regular season but they can't host the regional because they can't have a crowd i just hope we never have to deal with that again yeah the well player can't the bright not the bright news is, or the bright news or the bright side is that we just got a whole ncaa college basketball tournament played and i know the fans weren't allowed to go but like that's a good step in the right direction we got college football bowl games and and playoffs taken care of college basketball played their full we're in the right direction that's for sure so like there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to play a full regional super regional college world series i just hope i just hope nothing nobody gets screwed yeah nobody gets screwed over that's like my big thing like i hope the right teams who deserve to get in get in and you know we can't do anything about the regional hosts anymore because those no, are going to be we're, determined. We're, we're, we can go right into it now. We're already halfway in. Yeah. So let's let's talk about it. So uh, Kendall Rogers tweeted yesterday that um, you know NCAA and predetermined pre NCAA is going to have predetermined uh, regional hosts. Which at first I was like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? And then like some people explained it to me, and I read through, and it kind of makes sense about like sanitation and having the right thing set up like three weeks in advance to make sure everything runs smoothly. Okay. I get that. But at the same time, you're going to get like, I mean, I don't know if it's financial based or not. I don't think it is, but it's merit. It's merit based. Okay. That's good. So at least we're not going to get like LSU as a three seed and they're like hosting their own regional where we talk about it with uh, Matt Nelson later, like how much of a like competitive advantage it is for LSU to be playing at home. That's what I was afraid of. I thought LSU was going to be a three seed hosting, you know, a one seed from California, like maybe, or maybe like Oregon State. So, As- so, so basically, yeah. So you're you're spot on with that. So, basically, this year the regional. Think of the regional, the selection show, three weeks earlier than normal. So think about having a regional selection show May first. You don't play the regional until May 8th, 20th. So you well, play it's not a whole selection week. show. It's just the regional hosts. Yeah, but but let me but, but hear me out here. Okay. So think about playing a normal season. Selection show is on May 1st, but the regional don't start till May 21st. So what you do between that time doesn't matter. Think of it that way. Right. So, well, for the hosts. For the hosts, yeah. Yes. So so I'm, I'm thinking of the bigger picture here. So the hosts you better play your best baseball until May 1st to have a shot at that because it says combining merit location and other factors. I'm sure other factors is a code word for financial bidding, yeah. whatever else. Nice enough stadium ability Prestige. to host like yeah. televised games and all that. Yeah. So if you're a, a top, let's just say you're a top 25 team in the country right now. If I'm a coach, I walk in there and say, guys, we're playing for May for yeah. Break try to host, down host, try to host a regional. Break your season down two parts: month of May or month of April, and then the rest. Break it down to two parts. You got two parts to the season now. We're playing for to host a regional on May first, and then um, what's the what? Oh, three weeks. 
before the regional start. That's what, so that's going to be right around the first week of May, I believe. They're going to decide. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Monday, March 29th, postseason bid portal is open. So that's when teams can start bidding, start putting in their requests, all that stuff. Wait, April March? 12th, March 29th? That's what they said. That's like, that was like two weeks I know. Ago. Listen, and then Monday, April 12th, deadline to submit bid. Week of May 10th, base, May 10th, baseball regional site selection. So May 10th is when they're going to decide. Wow. So that means they're already planning this behind the scenes. Yeah. Wow. And so this, this has been going on behind the scenes. I didn't realize that. Now, what, what's like going to be interesting to me is, are they going to just have, you know, we, how, many, how many top 16 teams are coming from the SEC and ACC right now? I would say at least 12. And there, there's probably three or four AC teams from 16 to 22 range, 25 right. range. So, like, how many teams, like, I guess you're going to have a few Big 12 teams like Texas Tech, maybe TCU, maybe Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, maybe Texas, Those, four. Texas will definitely get one. I think if, Texas if Tech. State, if you're in the state of Texas or Mississippi, you're happy right now. Yeah. But, like, okay, so what's interesting to me is, like, Arizona is – really the only school out West that's not in California or Oregon or Washington that has a chance chance to host. And then you think about the big 10 who's like, they're going to have one big 10 team hosting no matter what. It's just, they, they want to grow the game. They want to have a team up North. So is it going to be like, if you're, I think it's going to be like Nebraska, if you're Nebraska, Michigan, or I think it might be Michigan, but if it's Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State and Indiana. Those four are are, fa- are playing every conference game until May 10th, thinking like we're playing to host a regional because I think they'll get one. But the I rest are going to be from I, the I southeast. Would put my money, I would put money on it that Nebraska gets to host. I'd put my money that Michigan gets to host. Um, I don't know what Michigan COVID protocols are and their government restriction. That's true. I but didn't think about Nebraska. That. Nebraska. I. It, I'm, I would bet money that Nebraska ends up getting a host site. Well, what about I'm, Indiana? Indiana just hosted the whole NCAA basketball tournament. So maybe, maybe, maybe they'll get one too. Maybe Indiana um, too. But so, yeah, May, uh, April 12th with the deadline to submit a bid. So you know, everybody submitted a bid. Oh, if you were even, even if you're not playing top well. 25, submit even a bid just in case you get one. Even if you're a school like Clemson or NC State, you submitted a bid. Just in case you caught fire and won like 12 in a row. You just submit a bid. Yeah. If you had a <laughs> It stadium, doesn't hurt to submit a bid. So the week of May 10th, they're, uh, they're announcing the regional site. So you better, that's what I'm saying. Going back to what I was saying, you got two seasons now. You've got playing until May 10th, and then you've got after May 10th through Omaha. Yeah. So well, you, dude, all right. So listen to this. So if the, if the 16 regional sites, were decided today. Just going off the... Oh, you want to do that? Yeah, just going off the, the coaches poll here that I have pulled in front of me. Vanderbilt, Southeast. Arkansas, Southeast. Ole Miss, Southeast. Tennessee, Southeast. Mississippi State, Southeast. Texas, which is in Texas. TCU, which is in Texas. Texas Tech, which is in Texas. And then you have East Carolina, still considered the Southeast in North Carolina. Louisville, Southeast. Florida, Southeast. South Carolina, Southeast. Oklahoma State, uh, just north of Texas. And then you have Notre Dame, Miami, Georgia Tech. So Notre Dame is the only one that's not in the Southeast or Texas, or I guess slash Oklahoma. Like, I think, I think, I think today you give Notre Dame one of those regional. It, I as too. long as their government, 
allowed them to have a crowd and, you know, and they have the resources to host a safe environment, whatever they're, whatever they're looking for. I think Notre Dame's got to be one. You've got to put a regional up in, up in the Midwest. Do you want to know something really cool, Dimitri? So if you're going off of D1's polls, which is just like right next to this coach's poll I'm looking at, the 16th seed in D1's poll is Louisiana Tech. I would love to see those guys host a regional. So that's going to go back. That's go back to what we were talking about. Does Louisiana Tech get shafted? They might. Do they get shafted? Because don't forget. Well, East Carolina, the, too. East forget, Carolina could get shafted. Okay, but don't forget, if you're one of the 16 regional sites, you have to be able to host the Super, too. Well, okay, they're not taking – they're not – They're who, if you're in the 16 regional site, you have to be – you have to be able to host a super. So let's say um, Louisiana Tech, they're like, we don't think you guys, for whatever reason, you can't host super. They cannot host a regional. They have to be able to host a super. So what's the difference between hosting a regional and hosting a super? Because I feel like hosting a super would be easier than hosting a regional. Yes, it's two teams, but in terms of crowd, location, and everything. Yeah. So – I think Louisiana Tech might be okay, but if those boys keep playing the way they're playing and they get shafted, that's gonna there. There could be some pissed off people. I'm gonna I'm gonna cause a riot. I'm be the head of the riot because Louisiana Tech. How often does Louisiana Tech get to host the regional? Never. Not very often. Never. They've never it's done never. it. They've never done it. No. Okay. Well, there you go. This is their one year to do it, and they get shafted, taken away from them. Don't 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 be surprised when Louisiana Tech starts screaming at Mark Emmert and the NCAA <laughs> and whoever the hell else is involved. Probably Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fit. They'll probably be yelling oh, at everybody. Oh, oh <laughs> Kendall Rogers is gonna take dude. I pray for his Twitter account when when this goes down. I know. <laughs> I pray for the Kendall Rogers Twitter the day some team gets shafted by the regional selection, even if oh. it doesn't. Maybe. And he he just wears all the blame. He just wears a bulletproof vest. And he, just says, Kendall Rogers is the front for the baseball department of the People NCAA just blame offices. him for no reason. It's not even his call. <laughs> even, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure, I, I, I seriously, that's a good question to ask him one day. Is Does he have any involvement? Do they call him for his opinion? Does the NCAA call him for his take or opinion on anything? I wonder. He Do wouldn't tell us. Him? He wouldn't say it if he did or didn't. Which, probably is fair, that which is fair because yeah. maybe it's something that he doesn't want need people to know if they they i wonder if they look out to him as a resource maybe oh i'm sure they do like a consultant almost like yeah like hey what's your opinion on this which i i hope the ncaa does it i do too because they don't pay attention all year exactly. nobody pays attention more to college baseball than like kendall rogers aaron fit and those guys that's their full-time job they get paid to do it so i hope the ncaa calls Kendall and says, hey, um, we've got all these submissions. Um, what's your opinion on this, this, and this? Yeah, like, hey, who, who should the last four teams be in? This is what we got. Or, or, or even more serious than that, like, hey, um, blah, 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 blah. I hope they ask Kendall for his opinion. I think I they think. do, because think about this, Dimitri. Um, when games are like on ESPN or ESPN+, Plus, ESPNU, whatever it is, they put the D1 baseball rankings yeah, but, yeah to but the that's ESPN. That's not NCAA. But the ESP, I'm talking, ESPN I'm runs t- the NCAA. It feels okay. like that sometimes. Okay, yeah. But Television money. I'm talking about the actual NCAA offices. 
I hope they use they use Kendall as a consultant, as an advice, as a source to, to reach out to because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And that guy is not a bad person to ask. He's probably the best, in my opinion. Yeah, that's Big Kendall Roger I was fan, trying though. to I was trying to dummy it down a little bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep, we're, we'll see what happens. Um, I think a school like, for example, a school like Oregon State and Oregon, then you better you better be you better go undefeated the rest of the year and call up your local politicians and Let's say, say a regional's Bull- coming to town. Yeah, <laughs> or you're not getting a regional host. Yeah. Um, they better be on their best behavior. Think about this. TCU, they're not going to put five regionals in the state of Texas. Are Why they? Not? They might. You think they would? Why not? There's no restrictions. You saw what okay. the Texas Rangers did with a full crowd of people. Like okay. that would okay. be nice. All right. So listen. So listen. A school like TCU or somebody, let's just say they're right outside the top 16, they might get a regional bid over Louisiana Tech because they're in the state of Texas. So there's so many dynamics to look at that I, I, I'm not going to sit here and try to break it down and with ideas or, or predictions because, to be quite honest with you, Ben, I don't know what the fuck's going on either. I don't. We're, we're trying, to, trying to figure it out on the run, but it's going to be one of those things where we're going to forget about it for like a month and then it's going to sneak up on us and we're going to be like, uh-oh, tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day we find out. <laughs> so... And I will, I will gladly like to be a fly in the wall and hear that conversation. We'll, we'll try to, we'll try to get our connections. We got some good connections around college baseball. We'll see if we, we can do, get on that we phone do. call. We, d- we did it two years ago on our first year. So we'll see. Yep. Anyways, um, uh, before, before we get to the interview with Matt Nelson, two breaking or two injuries that not good for college baseball that happened. Jaden Hill, one of the most electric arms in this year's draft uh, stud pitcher for LSU we saw him first game of the season throwing 98, 99, and slowly velocity decrease. And we could kind of tell he was maybe not injured, but not up, not up to his like, capabilities. And it, news comes out earlier this week that he is going to be done for the season with a torn UCL. So he joins the Thomas Jonathan crew of Tommy John surgery. Dimitri is a survivor of Thomas Jonathan surgery. And, um, and dude, to be honest with you, Jaden Hill's got a great chance to come back better. I know that's the whole cliche saying, come back stronger or whatever. But Tommy John, if you do your shit, you put the damn work in, you're going to come back throwing harder. I mean, I don't know how much harder Jaden Hill can throw, but I came back throwing harder after about two years. Um, most, guy, most guys come back better pitchers. Is and he, I'm not trying to say the definitely cliche. coming back to college, right? No, no, he's done with college baseball. Jaden Hill will not pitch another game for the LSU Tigers. You don't think so? No. Oh, I'm coming on the other end. I think he comes back one more year. No, no. You take your Tommy John and you get the hell out. You go. You just sign like he's gonna sign for a lot less. He probably gonna lose some money, but you don't take that risk of getting what you what if I'm Jaden Hill, I get my Tommy John surgery, I start finding out who I want to represent me, my agent. And I start talks. I start talks with every big league team. I start calling them say, Hey, listen, um, do you, I want you guys to run my rehab. Um, surgery went great. I send all my doctor's information to them. Surgery went great. Looks good. I'm on track to have a full recovery. I say, I tell team you be in charge of the rehab. Cause I'm signing, I'm looking to play and you put 
your future in that team's hands rather than doing the rehab at LSU, coming back another year and have so many question marks. I'm, I'm, I'm Jaden Hill. I'm going. And I think he will. Okay. You, you kind of talked me into it there. Um, no, a hundred percent. I, if I'm Jaden Hill, I do not pitch another game for LSU. Okay. Um, and then what about Tim Elko, our boy, who is one of the best hitters in college baseball? Dude. Tears his ACL. machine. Yeah, tears his ACL in a meaningless game against North Alabama. And that's what hurts the most is like, it was a, was it a Monday afternoon game or something against no, North it was, Alabama? Yeah, it was Tuesday, yesterday. Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday afternoon game against North Alabama. Yeah, but I don't like that. I don't like that argument, meaningless game. You know what I mean? No, like yeah. I hate when people say like, oh my God, he shouldn't have been playing meaningless game. With North. It could have happened any game. It really could have. It just happened that he was running through the first base bag. Ball went past the first baseman. And he tried to cut towards second. Non-contact injury. 99% of the time it's the ACL or some sort of ligament tear. And it happened. I mean, it could have been Friday night against whoever, against Arkansas. It was just a freak play that just happened against North Alabama. That's the way I look at it. I don't care who they were playing. But if you want to get into it, it's like, damn, I get a meaningless game. I get it. But I hate when people say that. So, but there's a chance that he comes back and plays this year. Yeah, which is crazy to me. They, I read the article there saying anti-inflammatory rehab, and we're going to see if he can still play. They said this injury, ACL, are different bodies react differently to it. I'm sitting here like, there ain't no damn chance in hell Tim Elko is going to get up there and swing out of his shoes. And he, I'm 99, he'll DH. But you're telling me a dude with a torn ACL it's going to be able to leg out a double in an important game where they need a guy in scoring position or, or run out a ball to first base. Oh, no no chance. Get out of here. He ain't doing that. <laughs> no chance. So he's probably likely done for the year as well. I like I mean, the optimism. I love the optimism. Whoa. Did we just say that at the same time? Did we just become best friends? Um, <laughs> We're optimistic people, but that's not something that – I expect that's going to happen this year. And if I'm if I'm Mike Bianco, there's no way I could sit in that chair in my office and truthfully tell Tim Elko, you should play. You need to tell him, like, hey, buddy, get your surgery. Come back stronger next year. We're going to win some ballgames next year, too. Don't worry. I'm not going to sit here and tell Tim Elko, hey, get some anti-inflammatory. Do your hey, rehab. Hey, tape it up. And, It'll be fine. And, and see how you feel. Because, okay, let me, let me put this scenario for you, Ben. Let's say Tim Elko gets anti-inflammatory, swelling goes down, rehab, knee's feeling good, right? So now we're a month in, right? So now let's say it's May 1st, and Tim Elko thinks he's ready to go. He passes all the tests, all the protocol tests, goes back out there, plays in a game, and it's just not right. It hurt, he, or he hurts him again, or it just gets worse. And then they're like, okay, let's get surgery. You just wasted a month. A month of time. Now, now the chance of him being ready for opening day next year, your chance it's got to, decreased by like 10%. <laughs> 20-30%. Because now that means he gets his surgery, let's say end of May. Because it takes about two weeks of preparation before your surgery. Um, so now you're saying end of May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February. So you have nine months. They say ACL is about, what, eight to 12 months recovery? Eight to 12, yeah. So now you're, you're right in that window of 
can you be ready for pushing it? Day? You're in the window of pushing it. Yeah, now you're pushing it all because you tried to get an extra mo- a couple weeks of play out of him. I say, I say, wrap it up, hang it up, get the surgery, be ready for next year because right. you're just wasting time. And now you're going to put another season in jeopardy because you only get 56 games a year. If you miss three weeks, you're down to 42 games a year. Mm-hmm. All because you tried to get 15 games out of him at the DH this year. It's not worth it, in my opinion. You see what I'm saying? I guess it really just comes back to like the doc. We're not doctors, and like we no, have to wait for those no. opinions. But it's not worth it, in my opinion. But anyways, let's uh, let's go talk a little bit about this um, this interview we had Matt Nelson. I mean, it was great. I thought it was one of our better interviews. Super guy, nice guy, and he had some really good stories to tell. So uh, he talks about going on the plane two days before um, Roy Halladay's plane crashes with Roy Halladay. So that was a high school pitching coach of his really like uh, kind of like surreal stuff. He's talking I don't, about. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want people to think that we're talking about this particular situation as a way of getting clout. You know, I know how some people try to bring up, tra- I hate when the ESPN does it. I hate when the ESPN does it where they bring up tragedy. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about like every draft year, Oh, his mom died and whatever. I don't want, I don't want to bring up like that, but it's more of a, he talks about how it was such a, crazy experience to be a part of and how sometimes you got to look at the positives and things and Mm -hmm. I mean there's a lot of positives to take away from that and it's easy for me to say it because I wasn't personally affected by it but I thought it was I was I was I was curious when you were going to ask him I was curious what the reaction was going to be yeah I thought it was a pretty positive reaction but listen that wasn't all we talked about in the interview we talked about going to Omaha and him having a good trip as a freshman about how him how he came back after the COVID year, um, better and stronger and all that. And I mean, shoot, man, he is he's like tied for third in the NCAA and home runs right now with eleven. So everything he's doing in the offseason, you know, is right and for dude, him. Dude, you I'm not gonna spill all the beans or blow at all, but just just go find go just go listen to when he got when he got offered and how it went down. Cause that to me was wild. Yeah, it was. It was a cool story he told, but um, anyways, you guys enjoy that interview. We'll be back tomorrow night for our weekend preview. And we episode. have another guest. And, and we, uh, we have another big time guest doing a, our weekend. Cl- here, here, here. I'm going to give a clue and you're going to give a clue. Let's see if people can tweet at us who it is. Um, here's my clue. And I'm, I'm going to make, make it kind of hard. And my brain works in mysterious ways. So the way I think this clue might work might somebody. Okay. For example, the Kendra Rogers Mangum. That was. A, a myth. I missed. That was a total But, but in my brain, it was such a great clue. And once you knew who it was, you're like, oh, ha, 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 cool. But that didn't help me. So here's my clue. He doesn't like that school. Ooh, I don't know. That might give it away too much. Okay, okay. There's a school south of him that they hate, and they don't like to put the letter in their it, the week of that game. Okay, my clue is um, 2019 College World Series, probably most talked about player. They talked about him way more than anybody else, I feel like. Okay, okay. most talked about player in College World Series 2019. And mine is they don't use the letters of this school in any word they use the week of the game. Yep. So he's going to do our week and pick them. You guys can try to figure out who it is, but... Uh, it's going to be a fun guest. And besides that, you guys enjoy the rest of this interview, and we'll be back tomorrow.
All right, college baseball fans, we have on a very special guest today, and um, I don't know how Dimitri pulled this off, but he was DMing with him. But we have one of the nation's leaders in home runs right now, Matt Nelson from Florida State joining us. Matt, really glad to have you on. You're killing it this year, man. You, you, you're seeing beach balls right now, huh? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, reaching out and having me on when Dimitri actually messaged me about ha- being on the podcast. We were stuck in the middle of a airport runway for five hours down in Miami so that was pretty fun yes gotta love the college baseball just the road humps that we have to go through sometimes no joke (laughs) hey you didn't say that though you never said you were on an airport runway for five hours (laughs) well we were stuck on the runway for 30 minutes at the point in time when you messaged me and then all of a sudden it was like five hours later and like oh yeah now we can go we should have just got the whole team on the podcast. You should have like pulled up Zoom and we could have had the, all the boys on for a little runway special. That would have been funny. Probably could have done some rain delay. But yo, that weekend was there. wild. That weekend, I mean, I'm sure you guys wanted to expect to go down there, take two out of three, but you guys went down there and absolutely kicked the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was fun to watch. Me and Dimitri were watching those games. Uh, how did how, how were you guys just like, how was the plane ride home? I bet it was fun until the five hours started. So it was really fun. We all got on the plane and because we originally flew down there with our beach volleyball team because our beach volleyball team was playing in, I think, Boca or Fort Lauderdale area. So when we were flying back, we were flying back by ourselves. And when they were doing the list, we had, I think, 37 people listed on the plane. And they but it was the same list. And they just highlighted all the baseball players that were on the plane but they accidentally highlighted one of the beach volleyball girls. And they were saying we had 38 people on the plane when we only had 37. So we had everybody. So it took an hour for them just to figure that out. And then once we started rolling, we're hauling down the runway. And then the pilot slams on the brakes and me and Reese Albert are center field. We're like, look at each other. Like, what is going on? And he pulls over to the little media and we sit there for 30 minutes till they finally tell us, Hey, we have a light that shouldn't be coming on. So uh, we're going to get that fixed. Yeah. Might try to get that fixed before we go up in the air. That's the, uh, I I don't think I've ever been on a plane that slammed on the brake unless you're landing. Yeah, no, we were, we all had the heebie jeebies after that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what you want to see. And you never want to hear the pilot say like, Hey, we got a light on that like shouldn't be on. So God, man, planes still kind of freak me out, even though I know it's like safer than driving on the highway. But anyways, man, we want to talk about some really cool things that have kind of gone on in your life. Um, We're going to talk about like the Omaha trip you made your freshman year, which was really cool seeing that. Uh, And then also, you have a really good relationship with a former coach of yours, an MLB Hall of Famer, Roy Halladay. So we're definitely going to touch on those. But before we go there, um, man, I just kind of want to talk about like kind of the the COVID break that you guys went through last year, like what you did to like stay in shape during the off season and like how you got prepared to come into this year and kind of be like a team leader, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, for sure. So like, what's something that like you did in the off season that like maybe you've never done before um, or like, what was like your training regimen? Like were you trying to put on? Hold on. Let's go. Let's take one step behind that. How did you guys find out? Like where were you guys when you guys found out the season was canceled? We were sitting in the middle of our locker room after practice and we weren't sitting there after practice because practice we were, was canceled. We were just, you know, shower, go home and people were getting notification. Hey, Juco just canceled. NAIA just canceled. These people just canceled. This ACC conference just got canceled. We were about to play Georgia Tech at home. Georgia Tech was supposed to fly in that night. It was like a Thursday afternoon. They were supposed to fly in that day. 
And then all of a sudden our coach comes walking in. is like, Hey, uh, we canceled this weekend. We're like, Whoa, what's going on? <laughs> and then once they canceled that weekend, we had practice, practice, practice. And then, Hey, season's done. Go ahead and go home. Like two days later. So, it just happened so fast. It was just out of nowhere. Did you guys still have class? Even when baseball was like the, when you guys were still practicing? We had, so once they started announcing that seasons were being canceled is when classes started being canceled here and there with a few different teachers. And then they made a university notification go out there saying, hey, we're going to resort to Zoom on this date or this on this date. So stay in, stay in Tallahassee if you want, but everything's online now. Wow. No, I, that's crazy to think about because like we kind of lived it like Demetri and I were, were doing shows like three times a week and really following college baseball. But we didn't have like the players perspective of it. Like, dude, I remember the night, the day that it got canceled. We were we were we were literally DMing with Eric Sim. You know, Eric Sim. I've heard the name. The Juco like, Asian guy that just goes crazy, like just drinks like alcohol and hit dingers in the cages and scream. You know, that guy, you know what I'm talking about? No, he's all, actually, no. He's, all, he's, all right, so, he's, so he's like a former like minor leaguer, like ten year minor league vet, like just never made a pass like high A or double A or something. He posts videos in batting cages, just taking shots of Hennessy or whiskey, and he just swings the shit out of the ball at the bat, and he like he rakes, like fat Asian guy, super funny, and he's like through. I guess he like reload his like he was trying to throw a bullpen he was like 88 or something and he was just mother effing everything screaming and he's like dude I'm gonna hit 90 so he started like posting videos once a week and weighted ball program and taking shots and just throwing he's like retired now finally hit 90 he went nuts he goes this isn't enough I went 95 like I think six months later he hit 95 just went nuts and like now he's like everybody on Twitter loves him he's just some freaking lunatic and anyway <laughs> we were about to have him on it was about to be an electric show Damn. and we just dm like yo uh i don't think that uh, just don't worry about this interview but season's canceled just don't worry about it <laughs> it was it was so weird man but uh yeah that interview was going to be fun but uh let's go back to florida state baseball right now let's go let's go let's rewind to 2019 so before the pandemic and anything um you guys come into a regional at georgia as a three seed right right and uh, our Mercer Bears were there. Me and Dimitri both graduated from Mercer. Um, and so we were, we were pulling heavily for the Mercer Bears. And this was the first year that we had the podcast rolling. So we might have said some things about Florida State. Uh, we, we do call you guys the Florida State cinnamon rolls here I don't. once in a while. You do. <laughs> I do. I, don't. I uh, do not. <laughs> and uh, so I want to just put that in front. We might have said some stuff that you could pull up on uh, like old podcasts about how you guys weren't going to, you guys were going to go to and barbecue in the regional, that kind of thing. But I will tell you, there was no better moment than watching you know, Mike Martin Sr. get that trip to Omaha and the LSU dugout in the Super Regional. He's like tearing up. That turned us like, we were already Mike Martin fans, but man, how cool was it playing for him and in his last season taking him to Omaha? Was that just unreal? Yeah. Uh, first off, before I get to that, you guys calling us the Florida State cinnamon rolls? I do not. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I do not. Guilty. Guilty. It. He said it, but you do. You know how some people like have to force a joke that's not funny. Oh no, no, that's no, funny. That's exactly. No, it's not. I don't think it's funny because I, I, I mean, it is 
if you think it's funny, cool. I have I a good backstory. I have a good backstory of how I came up with it. Um, I was uh, I was talking. Let's see. This was back in like 20. When was Jameis Winston there? Like 2014, 2015. Yeah. So it was my freshman year of college. And this girl thought we were saying Florida State cinnamon rolls instead of saying Florida State Seminoles. And she said cinnamon rolls like 10 times. And she's like, why are they the cinnamon rolls? And we lost it. So ever since then, I call it the Florida State cinnamon rolls just because I don't know. Uh, she didn't understand. What anyway, but all right, back on. Let's go back, back to the topic. important thing. Um, plan for Mike Martin, like legend of the game. Some call him like the father of college baseball. Was it like I'm sure he like recruited you. And I'm sure like he probably told you like, hey, I don't know how much time I have left coaching. But like, you know, beginning of the season, like our goal is to go to Omaha. And I know once he got that Omaha trip, he was probably like, you know, this is it for me. I'm done forever. Yeah, no, it it actually had nothing to do with that because I was I started coming in winter camps and I started to hang out with Chris Cates, who is now the first base coach mm-hmm. at UCF. I knew him prior to that. He introduced me to me, 11, uh, Coach Bell, who's now the head coach at Pitt mm-hmm. and whole nine yards. And I got to know them through that and then committed through high school, ended up here and 11 was actually supposed to retire before my freshman year. So my senior year of high school, he was supposed to retire that year, but then they extended his contract one more year. And I came in and said, Hey, I got one year with this guy. Let's see what I can get out of him. Let's make the most of it. And that guy just throughout the entire year with the ups and downs, because we started off really hot. And then all of a sudden we just hit a valley right in the middle. Yeah, of the I, I do that. remember that you got, everyone was like, Oh, this of course, Mike Martin's last year. You guys are hot. Everyone's like, this is the year Florida state does something. You guys hit a brick wall and everyone was like, maybe this last, you know how sports analysts are or whoever they'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Martin time to go. He doesn't have an era. Yeah. No uh, more regionals, like, because what's the consecutive regional streak at now? Like over 43, 43, 43 or 44. No, it's 43 with Miami. Yeah. This season, if we make it this season, we'll tie the record with it. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But, but- I, there, there is one point in time where, because we pray on the field right in front of the dugout before or after every single game, win or lose. And there was one point in time where we lost the game and I forget who it was too, but there was just one guy from our fans just walking by. He goes, we'll be lucky to even make the tournament this year. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, and I'm a freshman. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, wow, we got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Like at that point in time, we were swinging Swiss cheese for bats, but <laughs> guys turned it around. And, you know, there was some moments where, you know, people get a little bit of selfish, like they get selfish here and there. And, you know, they get a little bit big head or whatnot, but then yep. it kind of, clicked and you know we had you know private talks in our group chat with just the players like hey guys like some heart-to-heart moments where you come to realization and all of a sudden it just turns around and it clicks yeah and it clicked and it clicked big time because i was looking through the scores and i have them in front of me right now once you guys got in that georgia regional it was one of those moments like why did we let them in like why did we let florida state in the tournament because you guys went on to score 13 runs 12 runs 10 runs six runs five runs between regional and super regional, just dominating everybody there. Um, you had that awesome extra inning win at LSU. Yeah. Um, I think it was, yeah, it says 12 innings here. I remember watching that thinking so, like, oh, this whole, this three seed right here, Florida state might win the whole thing. What's cool is that we were the 64th team in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was about to say, so take us back selection show. Yeah. You guys had no idea if you were in or not. What well, do you guys? 
we had no clue that we were in because there was nothing out there that said that we were guaranteed in, but we had every single idea that we were in because we were sitting in the media room and ESPN was there to film it. Uh. So we're like, there's no way they're going to be here to film us not getting in just that way they yeah. can have the reactions of that. Damn, I would have been, I would have been so confused because I could have been, I would have also thought like, dude, there, there, there better be no way they film us not making it. I oh, do not yeah. want to be in that video. No, I mean that <laughs> it, it was just funny because we walk in and ESPN camera guys are there and somebody made a joke like, so if we don't get like if we don't make the tournament, are they going to put this video up there? On like, yeah, exactly, the exactly. Something like, so you guys, so you guys were like ninety nine percent sure you were in. We well, once it started to come down towards the end, and they were showing the regionals, and they were going through all the three seeds, we were kind of just like, "Oh crap, where are we going to be?" Like, there's like no spots left, and all of a sudden, boom! We're like, "Oh hey, we made it!" Right, and I I remember watching that video. Like, you guys went nuts in the media room, and like from that moment, was it like a different mindset? Because everybody knows postseason baseball, you got to come with a different mindset. Like, were practices better? Like, people probably had a ton of energy. Like, focus up because. Talent-wise, matching up against like Florida Atlantic, Mercer, and even Georgia, who's like had some success in the past, but still doesn't get like the talent that Florida State year in and year out gets. I mean, they had to face Emerson Hancock then, and right. uh, Cole Wilcox, too. Cole Wilcox too. But like, you guys should have known like going into that, like, all right, like we have a good good enough chance as anybody to win this regional. It doesn't matter what field we're playing on. Like talent-wise, we're there. Yeah, I mean, you look at that lineup and you look at the paper and the roster size, we might have had the best team on paper. Oh, easily, yeah. Um, in the country, not not mm-hmm. even just the regional. But it's just like no practices weren't more loosely. Practices stayed the same. Everybody stayed who they were. Nobody got out of their shells. And it helped we had a lot of vets. Mm-hmm. And we had four or five different guys that went to the World Series in 2017 and had already experienced all of that. So they kind of helped lead the way and shape the culture of how we're going to go our business. And they were really the tone setters when we started off in the regional opener. We were the 64th team in. We were the first regional game to play against FAU out of any other regional in the country. And here's the coolest coolest fact about that is that we had, I think, double or triple the amount of home runs in that one game – than any other regional combined with the two games that they played that day. We had nine home runs in that game. I do remember that. The wind was blowing out, and uh, FAU had some good power on their team as well. And, yeah, yeah you guys – didn't somebody have, like, a three-home run game? Uh, maybe not. Oh, but... Three-home run oh. tournament, Tim Becker. Yeah, Becker. Get the rock on, dude. Yeah. Let's go. He was actually my roommate on the road the entire year. So when Timmy finally got his sh- time to shine in the ACC tournament, I think – he got put into the game in like the third or fourth inning, goes up there, has like two doubles and a single, like three for four or something like that against NC State. And then all of a sudden he comes out into the regional and dude, yeah, Georgia. Tink, tink. And well, he started it off against FAU. He hit two bombs against FAU. Yeah. And then when we played Georgia is when he took Hancock deep and we're like, oh, Okay, Tim, like lay it to him. Come on, buddy. Yeah. So you probably. So you probably all year, you know, you know how it is in the hotel room. When you're in the hotel room with your roommate, whether it's a stud player, player every day, or somebody else, you you hear them talk. So Tim was probably like, dude, I just want my moment. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. You probably heard it all year. Never. Never. Wow. Never. 
Tim was a fifth year grad student who played club ball. His uh-huh. who played his previous four years at Florida State. He just he came out in the fall, like just to you know see if he could make the team. He never tried out once before as a walk on. He was the uh-huh. president of the club ball team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nico Baldor, who's on our team now, played club ball because he was in that one year where he had to sit out, transferring from Miami to Florida State. Okay. Before they passed that one year transfer rule. So Nico is just like, hey man, yeah, come try out. And Tim just comes try comes to try out. He looks decent in the outfield. He looks decent hitting. And then all of a sudden he just goes up there and runs like a six, seven, six. And you're like, oh, we could use this kid on the base pass. And he get his time here and here and there from out the season. And then it was just like he never said a word. He didn't expect to play. He just wanted to be a part of the team. He just wanted to be there. I and love that, like, dude. I love that. Yeah, in, in the hotel room, Tim never once talked about playing. Mm-hmm. He never once talked about my performance, somebody else's performance. He never bad-talked anybody, never said anything. Occasionally, he'd give me a little joke like, hey, man, almost had the golden sombrero tonight, eh? <laughs> <laughs> like, joke like that. But Tim was never like that. And, like, we still talk to this day, but that kid, he went up there and he had one hell of a regional. Dude, that is, I mean, just that a postseason is- in general. He still has never – bragged or talked about it at all we came back into town in madison social one of the main bars here named a drink after him called the upper becker oh that is what it's all about right there yeah. <laughs> i bet that they, made they, his whole that, day. i'm more excited about that than going to freaking <laughs> omaha <laughs> <laughs> i don't yeah. know about that um but dude that's really I'm cool because that, that um that that story was all over espn i'm sure you've watched like the replays of that college world series and they talked about him a lot which was cool because i mean he he did want to be a part of the team he's probably living out like a childhood dream and to show like his abilities on that stage is just unbelievable it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it um, isn't that what I've makes college baseball here. awesome yeah what's that isn't that what makes college baseball awesome like in in no other sport do you just see some dude just all of a sudden I'm not going to say carry, but like show out like that, yeah. at that big of a stage. No other sport. Yeah. I mean, it, even out Alabama rolled out some walk-on quarterback. It's not the same. This guy, like, yeah, it's not the same. He would probably a four or five-star recruit out of high school if you got, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I guess that's, that's what I think that's sick. Yeah. This is something somebody's going to make a movie about one day. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. At least like a 30 for 30 or something. But oh, uh, so I have a question for you about Omaha. What was yeah. the coolest thing that you experienced there? It could be like your, your best memory or something that uh, like you're going to take away from it, like makes you want to go back. Like what's something there being an 18, 19 year old kid in Omaha, like as a college baseball player today? Personally for me, because I play at Florida state and everybody wants to play Florida state, they see Florida state on their schedule. Like we want this series, we want this game. And it's, just because of our tradition, everything else. And this is going to be tough to say. And a lot of teams like Bandy and them and Ole Miss, they're building their reputations more and more every single year. But you go back and you look at the attendance for every single game from the first game to the last game. We were the second game to play against Arkansas. We had the most attendance out of anybody else there because we're Florida State and we have Mike Martin Sr. Yeah. There was, I think, 32 32- – 32,600 fans there. Was that the most fans you've seen in a stadium, like the game that you've played in, like ever? Oh, I'm sure it yeah. was. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was a dumb question. Where are we going to get 32,000? What are you talking about? What's what's I mean, the difference between like 32,000 and like, what do you guys get at Florida State? Like 10,000? 
Our it, max attendance seven, is 7,000 or something like that. What's but the I difference? Mean, what's you, the difference? You fill the stands here. It still feels like 32,000. But here, the difference between is like we went from playing in LSU where they host 14,000. Yeah. But they're on top of you. They're in it every single pitch, and they're all screaming and yelling from around the entire stadium. And we have maybe 500 fans at most in this little pod out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so half the time, you feel the ground shaking at in like in Baton Rouge. You can't hear what you're thinking. You don't even know what you're doing. Everything is just instinct. And then all of a sudden, you go to Omaha from that experience, 32,600 whatever fans. I'm sitting behind home plate on cruise control because it's like white noise. It's it's that MLB loud. Different, yeah, yeah. It's loud because people are talking, and it's loud when something big happens. But nobody's screaming, yelling every single pitch because all the Arkansas fans are out in the outfield doing their little pig suey thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not like they're right on top of you in your throats the entire time. So honestly, I would say that was my favorite experience from Omaha, just because, you know, it was the first time I've really been able to sit back, and relax, and say wow, this is really happening right now. And like, look around, like, wow, that's a lot of people, but not feel like it's a lot of people. Right, exactly. So um, let's go ahead and move on to what like my most interesting thing I want to ask you about you. Uh, you've, you wrote on a plane with Roy Halliday, your high school pitching coach. Uh, was it just days before uh, he passed away? Two days. And that was my first ever plane ride. I've never flown on a plane before. That is incredible, man. So like, I guess looking back on it now, you're probably thinking like, wow, like that could have been me or like, you know, I was in the same position he was like, what was like, like, if you want to be like really honest with us, like what was going through your mind two days later, whenever you found out the news? Like, exactly what you said. Like one, this is one really heartbreaking and two, like that, I mean, that could have been me. I mean, we saw Roy walking out in the backyard, me and a couple of buddies were hanging out with Braden because really close with his son Brayden mm -hmm. um we were just hanging out and Roy was just walking by like hey Roy where are you going he's like oh I'm taking the plane out and going fishing he was gonna fly the plane out somewhere and go fishing out in the gulf yeah and I was like oh okay cool and he's like yeah because he keeps it on the lake in the backyard because it's basically like a sports car on water and in the air that yeah. is that is wild yeah, and he it was the Icon A5 or A1 or something. I, I looked up, I like I looked up a lot about that plane. They were talking about how like he he had like a passion for playing. Yep. Um and it was like the dream build plane that he wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, well, it's I went out there and I went to go look at it and we're just hanging out there and he's like, "You ever seen one of these before?" I said, "No." He goes, "Yeah, because look at the model number." And it was model number 001. It was the first one of its kind. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. He's like, you ever flown before? I said, no. He goes, you want to go for a spin? I was like, yeah. He goes, all right, don't tell your mother. Like, as a, just as a joke. Yeah. And we went, took off right off the lake, went flying around Lake Tarpon in Tampa Bay, East Lake area, came back, landed right in the lake, went right back up into the backyard, and the, the rest was history. How, how cool, how cool for you to, because, um, I mean, you can, Correct me if I'm wrong, but based on like what I was reading about it, because I remember when it happened, it, uh, it was like he said if, in a quote or something, he said it was like the one of the few things in life where he felt so free and he felt just so like not controlled by anything. Like it was just him out flying, living life. And yeah. 
for you to experience that with him, not knowing what it was going to mean to you three days later, probably had to be one of the coolest things, but like also bittersweet at the same time. It was, it was really cool. Cause I mean, one that was also my first plane ride, my first plane experience and not just, I mean, yeah, because his name's Roy Halliday, like it didn't even mean anything like that just because, Oh, you flew with Roy Halliday. Like, no, no, that's yeah. Like people say that to me. And at that point in time, I'm just like, yeah, but you guys put him on this pedestal and look at him like this. So I actually met Roy originally when I was 12 years old and he was six, eight before he had his surgery to have his spine compressed down to like six, four. And which is that that's actually what Wait, what? Oh, you didn't know that? No. Oh, I thought it was I mean I mean it's probably out there. I just it's, never knew it's that. out there for sure. But the reason why Roy ended up retiring was because he was having back problems and ended up needing to have like back surgery. And when I first I met, remember that, but I didn't know it made him shorter. Well, he, he used to be like six eight, and then all of a sudden he was six four. Wow. wow. I had I had no idea. Can yeah. I do the opposite of that? Can I get spinal like addition? <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's kind of why it happened. And yeah, I, I get it. Um, why he felt it was free and all this other stuff, just because being up there and looking out like over the horizon and everything like that and seeing everything down below, you you feel superior to everything else because it's like nobody else is up there with you. You're up there by yourself. Nobody else is up there with you. Nobody can tell you what to do or anything. It's it's no. just you and the plane. You're um, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sad to hear, but at the same time, they they try to tell you, tell even me. I hear it all the time. Look at the positives in life, mm-hmm. and for you to share a moment that something he loved doing that probably not very many people got to share with him. Is, yeah. I think that's sick. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he asked me to share it with him, it's not like I said, Hey, can I go with you? Just, yeah, yeah. You didn't beg him. That's awesome. Sure. Yeah. So he's he was, he was also your high school pitching coach, right? His son was yeah. on the team, Braden, and yep. uh, he helped with the pitchers. Like, did he ever help you? I'm sure he spotted you and like your talent growing up thinking like, okay, this kid's got a real chance. Like, had, did he ever like pull you to the side and like talk like maybe mental game for college or for baseball or like help you with some things that, Maybe he didn't help like the less talented kids, if that's the right way to say it. Like, did he ever like pull you aside and say like, hey, man, like you need to try focusing on this and this because we see or I see like an advancement in your career, like way beyond high school baseball. No, he he was never like that. Um, He treated everybody the same JV varsity freshman team. Um, if you wanted help, he'd give you help. If he saw something or thought something of you, he would say it to you whether you didn't play a single game in your life or whether you played every single game. And there were points in times where he did pull me aside and say some things to me, but it was another, it was never anything like, Hey, this could further your career or Hey, this could do this or this could do this. It was more so just the learning aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is just, you know, how I treat my teammates. So he, yeah, I like, he never gassed anybody up, huh? No. And at that point, Trust me, he never gassed anybody up. <laughs> he chirped the other team more than we did. Oh, love to hear that. Yeah, he, <laughs> dude, he was a gamer on the mound. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. That like, um, he he I, he loved to talk. I mean, I he remember still had that him. like competitive chip on his shoulder, like still trying to win at all costs. One of my favorite stories that I have of him is we're playing in like a regional game. And the third base coach is creep. We're on defense. The third base coach is creeping in. 
trying to peek in and see my signs. He's out of the third base box and Roy's in this little crouch against the fence and just like looks over and goes, Hey, Hey. And the kid, like the coach turns around and looks at me and goes, yeah, you get in your box. And the coach, the coach turns around and goes, what are you talking about? He goes, get in your box. I know what you're trying to do. Get in the box. He goes, I'm not trying to do that. He goes, you're trying to pick up signs. Get in the box. He's like, what? So then the coach hey, walks back over and gets in the box. Like, hey, yeah. Do what I, he's told. Like, hey. Hey, if Roy tell me I'm doing something wrong, he's probably right. Yeah. He would tell kids to go sit in the truck if they threw like an attitude or if something big happened, like, you know, a big strikeout, like he'd come out, give us a little fist pump and yell at the other team or yell at us and go sit in the truck because anytime <laughs> – Apparently, anytime he did something idiotic or something bad when he was younger, his dad would tell him to go sit in the truck. So <laughs> the truck. Sit in the truck. Uh, we might have to adopt that. We might have to do a little stolen valor there and just start telling people on Twitter, hey, go sit in the truck. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, right, so since, since we're speaking about high school, was Florida State your dream school? Actually, it was, but it wasn't. Growing up, I had always been a huge Georgia fan and a huge Dogs fan. I know you're going to give me that because old Mercer and where yep. the no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I had nothing to do with Mercer. I, I, I grew. I'm a, okay. I'm from Miami. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm a hurricane. Oh, Miami. I'm like I'm my 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 family. Everybody went to Miami. But speaking of Georgia, dude, people here. I, so we're both in Georgia. We everybody. If you don't like, if you're not a dog fan, you didn't go to Georgia. You hate Georgia. Yeah, you can be a fan of Ole Miss and nobody cared, but people hate Georgia. That's kind of how it is in Florida. I mean, I hate to get here. I I, I don't mind Florida State, but dude, everybody hates the Gators in Florida. All right. So, Matt, when you were like going through your recruiting process, like was was Florida State like one of the first schools to offer you or like were they a little bit later on? Like I'm sure you got letters sent from you know, dozens and even hundreds of different schools. Like where did Florida State's offer like fit in like timetable wise? So timetable wise, as I had mentioned previously, um, I came up here during the winter camps and I started that in seventh grade. And I wasn't even coming up here to get recruited. I was coming up here just for fun. And one of my friends was doing it too. Um, and Chris Cates, who is now the first base coach at UCF introduced me to meeting all them. He was the first base coach here at that point in time before he went over to USF and then ended up over at UCF. But um, he was here every single year. And then it was my freshman year going into my freshman year, like the spring, I had just completed the fall semester of my freshman year of high school. We're on winter break, come up here. And Chris comes over or Meek comes over to me and goes, hey, where are your parents? I said, oh, they're sitting right up there in the grandstands. He's like, don't point. Okay, yes, sir. (laughs) I do something wrong. Did I break something? Uh, What's going on? He's like, all right, do you have your phone on you? I said, no, no, I don't. He goes, all right, well, Kate's is going to go grab your parents real quick. I'm like, all right, cool. So he takes me down under into the clubhouse after I get done hitting on the field and remind you, this is, this camp is like eight year olds through seniors in high school. So it's all age. <laughs> like this is not just a typical recruitment camp. This is just a, Hey, come have fun and spend money. 
And learn oh. from, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spend it's money. A, it's, a, it's a money maker is what it is. That's what all those for, hey, hey, Ben, this is where the volunteer assistants make their money. Oh, yeah. Entirely. But uh, so he pulls me under and my parents come walking through the outside part of the clubhouse doors into the clubhouse. And my mom and my dad are confused, like, what's going on? And Kate's is walking and I look at Kate's. He's got this big old smile on his face like, hey, have fun. I'm like, what is going on? So me takes us down into the off or into this coach's office. And we're sitting there and talking and like first couple sentences in, it's like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. We really like you getting to know you over the first, uh, over the last couple of years. Um, I have Florida State University myself. We'd like to offer your son a scholarship to play baseball here. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, Oh, cool. And my what, mom, three, what, what, 14 years old. I was 13, 15, about to turn 16. Because I had failed third grade because of the FCAT. So I'm older. Oh, yeah. Ah, there, it love that. there it is. <laughs> yep. So he says that, and my mom's, like, about to be in tears because she's like, what is going on? And my dad's, like, in shock. And I'm just sitting over there, on, like, I don't know like, what's going on. It went in one ear and right out the other. And then there was, like, this awkward silence. Wait, that explains he, why you failed third grade. It just went in one ear. <laughs> the comprehension is not there mm-hmm. and so meat just looks at me and like i just had this smile on my face and my mom goes are you gonna say something i go i'm gonna be honest with you i still think i'm in trouble like i don't even know what's going on <laughs> and so my dad my mom's like they want you to you know play yes. baseball here when you're out of high school i was like oh cool sign me up and then <laughs> And then that's when Meat just looks at me and he's like, this is the offer we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. And he breaks it all down right then and there. I still hadn't played a single high school baseball game yet. So uh, apparently, I think Kate's texted a couple of my coaches or somebody texted a couple of my coaches, including my high school coach saying, hey, congrats, blah, 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 blah. And then my travel ball coach, Mark Guthrie, with the Florida Burn texted me and said, hey, did you commit? I said, no, because Meat said, hey, I want you to explore your other options. I might be your first offer, but I don't want, like, I'm definitely yeah. not going to be your last. And I want They're you not to trying to force you to make a decision right there. Right. And that's what I love about Meat. He doesn't force you to do anything. And I mean, hold time out. What coach, I mean, what common sense coach would expect an eighth grader, seventh grader to commit on the spot. He should not be have a job after that day if he expected <laughs> you to commit right there. Because I would have told him. But there are some year. coaches, Dimitri, that do that. There's plenty there of coaches are. out there. Not not an eighth grade. Come on, man. Well, there I guess I can't speak. Committed to LSU at one point in time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that stuff happens all the time. All right, all right, all right. Go, go ahead, but that's not happening. Not yeah, a, not in seventh grade. <laughs> so Guthrie texted me and he said. Hey, did you commit yet? And I said, no. He goes, okay, Sully wants to call or wants you to call him because coaches couldn't call me because yeah. I was only a freshman in high school. Yeah. I'm sitting here. I'm like, cool. Who's Sully? <laughs> who's right? this Sully guy? <laughs> like, who's Sully? And my dad and my dad's looking at him or looking at me. He goes, uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, Florida baseball head coach. And I looked and I go, okay, cool. And then I'm just sitting there on the bed. I'm like, Oh, like the Gators. (laughs) Like, yeah. And I just looked at him. My first thought was, you'd really let me to go there considering we grew up Georgia fans? He goes, I don't care where you go if you're getting a scholarship to play baseball. I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I ended up calling Sully. We talked for a little bit. He's like, okay, well, don't commit. I was like, well, I mean, he told me not to commit right now. He said, explore your options. He said, okay. So I explored my options for a couple of months and it really, like, 
it was my first three offers was Florida State, UF, and then USF. And then, you know, I just felt most at home and I was excited. I was a freshman. I was like, hey, let's just get this over with. So that way I don't feel like I have to put pressure on myself. Committed in the middle of my freshman season. Did Miami ever come in the picture? No, they didn't. I never talked to the Miami coach or anything like that. Remind you, I hadn't played my first real yeah. travel summer ball game until that summer after I had already committed. So they, so they didn't even know who you were. Wow. I don't think anybody did. The only reason why I knew why Florida knew of me was because of Mark Guthrie, where his son went there and so did a bunch of other top prospects like Mike Rivera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, JJ Schwartz played for the burn too. But, you know, just a bunch of the big names that came out of there played for the Florida Burn, and they had a really good connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, like, what point did you know you were really good at baseball? Like, it could be, like, eight years old, or it could have been, like, that summer, you know, going into your freshman year. Like, what point did you were just like, okay, like, maybe I'm better than most of my friends, and, like, I can play this game for a long time? I think the theory behind that is that it's the way that I was raised, because I look at how, so I actually had an experience with this today. I was, I went and helped out with uh, a professor who teaches here, his daughter's softball team because the coaches couldn't make it to the practice. So me and another kid, Chris Ruck, the shell from the team, Ruck was the one who asked who actually texted me saying, Hey, he wants to know if you can come out and help out with the practice. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure, man. I love helping out with the community or going out and teaching baseball. Cause I plan to be a coach one day when I'm done playing. Yeah. So I go out there, help out, have a great time. Me and him are texting. And he's like, hey, and his his daughter's 12 years old. And he texted me and he said, hey, uh, Ella hit her first home run tonight or something like that. Is like, an odd, or last night. And oddly enough, you hit a grand slam too. I didn't know my offhand coaching or off, my offhand coaching was so effective. And I thought that was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, man, like, I guess it's really awesome. working, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, tell her, I said, congratulations. And then he hits me with the, hey, uh, she really appreciates that you really don't know how much that means to her coming from you and people in your shoes. Because apparently she went to school this past week and another girl came up to her and said, hey, are you the girl who had Matt Nelson at your practice this past weekend? And when he sent me that, I'm kind of just like, you know, like you don't really realize what lives you're affecting or who you're like reaching out to because personally it's the way I've been raised up from my dad and just, mm-hmm. you know, go about your bill or go about your day, do what you do, give it the best you're all, you know, don't say anything, keep your mouth shut and keep working hard. That's how I was raised. And I've never really stopped and looked at, looked in the mirror and said, you know, I'm this good or I'm that good. It's always been, I'm going to be better than this person or I'm going to work myself to do better than them or, Oh, I know I should be playing over them, but my time will come. Or it's never really been about I'm the best player out here. It's more so just the fact like, you know, go about your business and, you know, people will praise you when the time is right. If you praise yourself, it's not going to happen. Exactly. This is going to revert to a Bible verse. And I mean, I hate to get biblical out here, but like, do it. No, no. I mean, it's facts. Yeah, like yeah. Matthew 23, 12. And like, it's the, uh, it, it's the stereotype that every guy's first tattoo, if it's on the inside part of their arm, it's a Bible verse. Yeah. Stereotype is true. Cause that was my first 
tattoo. It's, it's right here. <laughs> there, I see it. there it is. It's right there. And no, it's Matthew 23, 12. And I try to live my life by this. And it's those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted or humble themselves will be exalted. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's really stuck with me. So, I mean, that's the way I was raised from my dad and my parents. So, I mean, props to them. Yeah, no, dude, for, awesome. for sure. And like, I can already tell that like, you're going to become like an instant fan favorite from all of our listeners and followers. Like you just like, you're so well put together and like, I don't know if you even want to hear this, but like, we definitely see like a bright future, not only on the baseball field, but like in life in general, just cause like you're, you're a smart kid, like you understand things and like even just bring on a Bible verse to the show shows a lot. So definitely appreciate you for that. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But um, it is getting late over there. You guys got a big series coming up against Louisville this weekend. So best of luck to you, Matt. Uh, you definitely made a lifetime fan for me and Dimitri here. We're going to be rooting you on. And uh, we'll stay connected like via Twitter and stuff like that. But uh, we're going to try to make a trip out to Omaha. So I expect to see you there. In June, awesome. Right? I plan to. <laughs> all right, man. Well, have a I great rest it, of your night. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. See ya. You have a good one. <laughs>